Wow, thank you so much, faith community, each and every one of you, for all the wonderful ways that you are supporting the people here in this community during this pandemic. And we have had our numbers double uh, for families coming for our food that we have in our food pantry. And we're just so grateful to all of you for your continuing support, your prayer support, your serving support, your giving support. It means so much as we are making disciples, as we are spreading hope throughout this community. And I'm so grateful to each of you and praying for you during these really challenging times. Now, I want to uh, ask you uh, a question. I, I was inbound to the church the other day, uh, just getting out a little bit. I was coming across 129, and I happened to see a vehicle out there that was covered in bumper stickers. Have you ever seen that before? Uh, look at the picture there on the screen. Maybe you have seen a, a car like that where it seems like the car is being held together by stickers. And uh, you know, I'm always curious about people who have this kind of, of vehicle, this kind of uh, rear end of their car. Now, if you happen to have one, I, I'm not, you know, uh, thinking you're crazy or anything, but I'm just curious about the message that you're trying to convey to people. And one of the things I'm afraid is I'm going to be so focused on trying to read all the messages on the back of these vehicles that I'm going to rear end somebody one of these days. I saw a bumper sticker the other day that had this message on it, and it said, 40 isn't old if you're a tree. Now, I have no idea how old this driver must have been, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't happy about it. And, you know, 40 isn't old if you are a tree, but we're not trees. We are people. And in Mark's gospel, we find the story here of a man who couldn't tell the difference between trees and people. And at least not until Jesus touched him a second time. And we're going to talk about it here today for a few moments. You know, we are living in a world that comes unraveled. Oftentimes our world comes crashing down. You get up in the morning and you have a pain, you go to the doctor in the afternoon, and by the evening you hear the test results, bad news. And let me tell you, it can go from bad to worse uh, just in a minute. I mean, your commode doesn't work, and then the next thing you know, your coffee pot's broken, and there's a leak in your roof, and then you go out and your tire's flat, and it just goes from bad to worse. And it can get really bad because, you know, our hips are going to fail us, our eyes are going to malfunction, our heart's going to have problems. There's all kinds of physical ailments that we can have, and you know what? We need the touch of Jesus. We, in this series, we are focused on how Jesus can make you new, how Jesus can bring wholeness to your life. There is a better way, and that's what we're all about here at Faith Community, introducing people to Jesus, letting people know that there is a better way. There is fulfillment. There is a purpose that you can know what God's plan is for your life and how God can come into your life and give you hope. Now, it's amazing today the places that people say they see Jesus. Have you ever seen some of these people on TV, these Jesus sightings? I have seen and I've taken some notes. Some 
person out there saw Jesus' picture in a banana peel. Somebody else saw Jesus there in a water stain on their driveway. Someone else saw Jesus' picture in a cloud or on the side of a mountain or in a ketchup lid. I kid you not. And you know, it's silly when people see Jesus where he isn't, but how tragic it is when Jesus is standing right before you and you can't see him. Now, this is why the Gospel of Mark perhaps is written. In fact, in chapter 1, we find here the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And in Mark's Gospel, he's presenting Jesus as this like action figure, if you will. This is a book of action. And there's not much talking going on. There's not a lot of digressing going on here. It's short, punchy parables, and it's just riveting. If you like thrilling movies, you want to turn to the Gospel of Mark. Now, if you're into relationship, you like romance, you like dramas, you want to visit the Gospel of Luke. If you like documentaries, if you like history, I suggest the Gospel of Matthew. But if you like action... If you like thrilling action, you want to turn here to this gospel. It is amazing, friends, what Jesus is doing in rapid fire succession. We see action here in the limbs of the paralyzed man that suddenly picks his cot up and begins to walk home. We find action here. Jesus routing a pile of demons, torturing this man. They're all bivouacked in this guy's life and Jesus rescues this man we find out he awakens this girl who seems to be uh, just taking a nap but in reality she's dead we see him feed 5,000 with a recipe of five loaves and two fishes he walks on wind whip water he calms the seas he heals the deaf and the lame I mean it's amazing what is going on and in Mark chapter 7 and verse 37 there toward the middle of the Bible it says the people are dumbfounded the people are amazed at what Jesus is doing. Now, all of the healing work of, of Jesus here, the healing of the blind is perhaps the most prominent in his teaching. Several times we find Jesus encountering people who are blind. And this is really interesting because according to the New Testament, the eye is the lamp of the body. In fact, turn to Matthew 6.22, and there you find if your eye is sound, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is diseased, then your body is full of darkness. And Jesus cured several blind men from that town at Jericho to Siloam. Uh, and here our text is presenting us, introducing us to another blind fellow, and this time we're in the town of Bethsaida. Now, this is the second of two miracles that's recorded only in this gospel. The other is a deaf person in the previous chapter here in Mark 7. And in both accounts, I think it's interesting that Jesus took people away from the crowds. In both of these accounts, Jesus here, if you notice the context, he's returning to Bethsaida. The last time he was here, he healed many sick people. Now, go back to Mark 6, look down in verses 53 down to 56 and see what was going on in this town. People heard Jesus was here, this man was in town, and people were being healed. And what were they doing? The scene is, people are throwing their friends on cots, they're mounting donkeys, they're going over to this town. And because this guy's over there healing. It's almost like if, if Jesus was here in our day, 
hey, Jesus is over here in Liberty Township and everybody's piling in their vehicles getting over there as fast as they can because I got a heart problem, I've got cancer, I, I can't see, I've got a hip problem and Jesus is healing people by the dozens, by the hundreds and it's a riveting scene here. And here we find that uh, there's another group of people bringing a friend in need to Jesus. And this time, a blind man, and the friends are pleading here, please, Jesus, touch our friend. Now, this is a similar story that I shared with you last week for Mark chapter 2, when these friends brought their person here that they loved that was not able to walk. He was on a mat or a pallet of sorts, and they're ripping the roof off of this man's house so they can get their friend down in front of Jesus. Now, where would we be today without friends? Where would we be without our church fellowship? That's why you and I, we need to be in church. This is what we want faith community to be known about. A place where everybody knows your name. A place where people care for you. A place where people are praying for you. A place where people are serving and working to help you. And, you know, that's what we want to be about, a place of kindness, a place of love. And I know many of you are doing that. We've had people going to the hospital, and we have people that are calling and having prayer. We have people that are in need, and we've been taking food to their homes. We've been, uh, you know, just really trying to reach out and support one another in this time. And this is what you see these friends doing. Now, this miracle seems to be also for the sake of the disciples just as much as this blind guy. I mean, there's a sense in which Jesus' miracles here are parables in action. And Jesus was trying to tell these, these band of brothers, these disciples, that, hey, the kingdom of God is here. I am the Messiah. And thus far, they failed to get the memo. And keep in mind, there's 16 chapters here in Mark, and we're at the halfway point. We're in chapter 8, and they still don't understand what's going on. Jesus told the people about the kingdom of God, repent for the kingdom of God is here, and they're just not understanding it. And despite Jesus doing all these amazing things, doing the impossible, this miracle here reveals how God opens the eyes of the spiritually blind. And it teaches how God can take someone who does not understand spiritual truth and work a great miracle in their life. And as this process unfolds, we find here at one point, uh, Jesus asked the man here, what do you see? And that's the question, friends, that I want to ask you today. What do you see? Do you see clearly? Now, notice this text here, the preparation that is involved in this particular healing. And again, the first thing Jesus does when he hears this request of the friends is to take this blind man by the hand. It's kind of like last week, as I was telling you, when Jesus encounters people who are hurting, what does he do? He says, be encouraged, son. Here he reaches out and gently takes this man's hand. It's a calming effect. It's comforting, is it not, when someone takes your hand. Uh, and, and something profound here is about ready to happen. Jesus takes this guy by the hand and begins to lead him out of town and just kind of envision what's going on. There are donkeys around. There, there is debris there. He's guiding the man uh, you know, around crowds of people that are walking maybe in this dirt path and around those gathered by the well. And they're leading away, uh, moving away from the crowd of people here in Bethsaida. And, you know, when you hold someone's hand, 
for a long time, it says I care, doesn't it? I mean, just imagine how special it is when you are holding the hand of your girlfriend or your spouse or your daughter or your son or a family member who was stricken and ill. You know, I was over at Atrium Hospital, oh, it's been a few years ago now, and I was at the hospital and I was visiting a parishioner, and when I left the hospital room, there was a lady there that approached me and she said, are you a pastor? And I believe she heard me and my encounter with this family in their room. And I said, yes, can I help? And she grabbed me by the hand and she began to tell me about the pain in her life. She had a loved one that was there critically ill at the hospital and she was in such need. And she just began to tell me the entire tale. She was a person who needed a physical connection. She was one who just needed to know someone cared. And just for that moment, we had prayer right there. And it really brought comfort to this lady's life. In that moment on the third floor, Jesus was there. I know he was there and brought some peace. Now, Jesus here takes this man by the hand and he leads him to this place that the miracle is going to occur. And here is a clear portrait of how Jesus leads the lost. Jesus is searching for the blind to bring them to a place of salvation. And we don't recognize his touch until our blinded eyes are open. But throughout our lives, we find Jesus is there. He's working in the, behind the scenes. He's doing everything to bring us to the saving knowledge of himself. Jesus is, is here working, I know, to bring us to understanding of who he is, bringing us to that moment where we have that godly sorrow and we receive Christ as our Savior. You know, I look back at my own life and I see now how God was there every step of the way. I didn't understand some of the things that I was going through at the time. I, I didn't really fully appreciate uh, even those painful circumstances that I was in, but I saw how God worked in such an amazing way and helped bring me to salvation. I ask you again, what do you see? Notice the process next here in these verses 23 to 25. And you know, one of the the things that makes this miracle so unique is that this is the only time in the gospel where Jesus heals someone in stages. The other places that we find Jesus reaching out and touching someone or he spoke a word, people were, were healed instantly, but here's a little bit different. And so I want to say to you, there's something awry. There's something going on in this text. In fact, that's why we read verse 21 here today, because uh, Jesus said to them, and you still don't understand? After he just done this miracle here uh, with, with the bread that's been multiplied, and he says, you still don't understand? And then we find here this incredible healing taking place. And God works with individuals, and each one, you know, is important to him. That's another special thing to know here about this text. Jesus raised, as best we know, at least three people. I'm sure he raised others, but at least we find three people that were raised from the dead. And each one was different. Jesus approached each one in a very unique and special way. He touched the daughter of Jairus at one point. In another case, he simply touched the stretcher carrying the body of the widow of Nain's son. And then at one point in John's Gospel 11, he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. 
and here walks Lazarus out of the tomb. His healing miracles were also different. He healed one leper by touching him. On another occasion, he healed ten lepers by a spoken word. Sometimes Jesus would go where the sick individual was. Other times they would bring the sick to him. Sometimes Jesus went and touched the sick one. Other times he would share a word and they were healed a distance away. But the point is you can't shove God into a box and say this is how God heals every single time. Now notice how Jesus works here in this blind man's life. Jesus spit in this man's eye. Now you're thinking, what? How, how disgusting is this to be spitting in someone's face? And I can just imagine this guy's eyes are diseased. His eyes are matted shut. They're crusted over. He's not able to see. He really doesn't know what's going on. And Jesus turns to him and spits in his eye. Now, if someone spits in your face, that's kind of a fighting kind of term, isn't it? I mean, you're ready to, to get after it. But, you know, in ancient times, there was healing power, people believed, in human slava. I kid you not. And, you know, I think sometimes people kind of think that today. I was at a, a habitat site here. It's been some time back, and they were building, and somebody accidentally hit one of their fingers with a hammer. And what did they do? They put their finger in their mouth. And, uh, you know, here in this case, Jesus spits in this guy's eye, and immediately he touches the man. And Jesus was saying something here to this man by his action, and I'm about to do something with your eyes here. Now, I would imagine that someone spitting in your eye would be a disturbing thing for sure, but spitting here in this case is followed by Jesus' touch. And this man can't see, but he can feel and the Lord is working in a way that makes sense to him. It doesn't make sense to those that are standing by and watching all this, but it certainly makes sense to this man. And he's got faith in Jesus, and he wants to be healed. And Jesus asked him, can you see anything? And when the man opens the eyes, he says, well, I see men as trees walking. Now, this tells us a couple of things. One is the man's statement suggests that perhaps he always hadn't been blind. I mean, as he was able to distinguish between trees and, and human beings. And he could discern light, he could discern shapes, but he couldn't see clearly. And a second thing notice here about this text is that the disciples had begun to see, but not see clearly. They could see Jesus doing some of these things, but they didn't really comprehend what Jesus was really doing. They didn't fully understand the deity of Christ. And as usual, there's a spiritual application here out of this text. Again, let's not miss what is going on here from the greater context. This blind man is a living illustration of the spiritual condition of the disciples. Ever since they have been walking with the Lord, in a sense, Jesus has been spitting in their eye. He's been doing these incredible miracles right under their nose. He's doing one shocking healing after another, and uh, they still didn't get the memo. He's out here, he'd been healing the sick and casting out demons and raising the dead and walking on water and many other powerful proofs of his deity, but they still don't get it. In fact, he had spit in their eye, he had been touching their lives, he had been teaching all these things, and they really don't get it until he is crucified and resurrected. But Jesus here led his disciples from spiritual blindness 
to spiritual clarity. And in this passage, they're just like the man in verse 24. They had been blind in verse 2 when Jesus called them and he wanted them to see clearly like the man here in verse 26. That's the goal, my friends, for each and every one of us. And I ask you again, what do you see? What is the condition today of your eyesight? Now notice lastly here the proscript. Not only the preparation in this, uh, this great story and, and not only the process that Jesus uses this time to really show us our need for him, but then notice the postscript here. Jesus heals this blind man and it ends on a very sad note. He tells the man not to return to Bethsaida. Now, that somehow would kill a lot of people. If they were healed today, uh, I, I know because when good things happen to people, they like to get out their phone. They like to type as fast as they can an email letting people know the good news. I know it would kill a lot of people to not be able to get the megaphone out and come back uh, when this healing takes place. And now this isn't the first time that Jesus told someone not to tell others, but this time it's happening in Bethsaida. And this is a place where Jesus, we know, had really pronounced judgment. He, he had not been received well, evidently, in this town. And Jesus even pronounced this curse of sorts over in Matthew there. It says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin and Bethsaida, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And you're like, wow. They themselves had not seen clearly. They had rejected truth and would receive no more light. Again, I wonder how it is for you today. What do you see? You know, I have always been amazed by those blind musicians. I, I'm thinking of people like Fanny Crosby and Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles and so many others, how they don't have the ability to see and yet their senses and, and are so keen in other areas in their life and they're able to produce such wonderful pieces of music. I heard the story here not long ago about George Shearing, and I know some of you know him. He was that very popular jazz composer, and, and jazz is a, is a popular uh, music genre. I know I appreciate smooth jazz. It's great to have it on when you're having dinner or when you're just relaxing in the evening or you're doing a little study, and, and just to have jazz music on. And this George Shearing told the story one time, true story. He was in the middle of town and he was at a busy intersection and of course this guy is blind and he can't see he's been blind all of his life and somebody taps him on the arm and says sir can you help me I'm blind can you help me cross the street and George is thinking oh my goodness what am I going to say here I, I get ready he said to tell the guy that I'm blind but he said why not and so he said sure I'll help you cross the street and here's the blind leaving the blind literally and George says he could hear taxis, uh, drivers screaming and yelling at them. He could hear tires squealing. He could hear people honking their horn. But he said, somehow we made it to the other intersection. We made it across the street. And he's like, it was a thrill. But boy, was it a challenge. Now, here we find in this story, people at Bethsaida here, they had refused to believe. They were blind. 
they would not accept Jesus. And Jesus here in this healing miracle is showing us our need for the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. Now, it just may be today that you are without God. And I want to tell you today, there's a better way. I want to tell you today, there is hope. Your world right now, it may feel like it's coming apart. We've all been like amazed at the things we've seen on TV. And, and people tearing down statues and a police officer killing someone and, and so many things that we have seen in our day and the news of the pandemic and so many people that are succumbing to illness. Friends, I want to tell you something today. You need Jesus in your life. You need Jesus in your life. And, you know, oftentimes those things are right before you and you won't receive it. I was out the other day, I was doing a little project around the house, and I was looking for a screwdriver. And I looked, it must have been, it felt like a half hour, and then I realized it was right in front of me. You've all had that experience. I want to say to you today that you need Jesus in your life. And I want to pray that you receive God's Son today, because there is a better way. There is hope for you. There is fulfillment and purpose that you can have. You can know rest and peace today. I say, friends, you can have a spiritual healing in your life. And so will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, we come before you today with our hearts really hurting for our country and for one another, for so many, Lord, that are sick. And Lord, we just reach out to you today for we need your healing touch. We pray for those, O oh God, that somehow have twisted the truth. We pray for those, O oh God, who have turned a, a, a blind eye on you, O oh Lord. People who defy authority, who, people who refuse to accept you. We pray for that one that's joining us today, Lord, that is so troubled. They feel like their life is come unglued. And Lord, we know that you are that gorilla glue. You are that one that can come in and pick up the pieces and give us light and give us hope. And we pray right now for those that are joining us, that one, Lord, that needs you. We pray, God, that you would come among them right now and that you would bless them with peace and joy. We ask and pray in the name of Christ. Amen.